Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Awesome. Welcome uh, to another episode of the Sword and Shield. Uh, today, we, uh, this is uh, Chief Master Sergeant Howard, uh, 960th uh, Cyber Operations Group Superintendent. And today with me, I have... Colonel Mark Eslin, the incoming commander of the 960th Cyberspace Operations Group. Awesome. Welcome aboard, sir. Uh, look forward to having you uh, as part of the group uh, and leading us forward. Uh, what I was hoping for was, uh, could you give us a little bit of insight about uh, your uh, your track through the Air Force? Sure. Uh, so I went to uh, school at the University of Minnesota up in Minneapolis and uh, went through the ROTC program there. And that's where I got my commission. Uh, my first duty station was at Ellsworth Air Force Base as a brand new second lieutenant, uh, where I uh, started off in base visual information and then transitioned into the, the WICP, the Wing Initial Communication Package, uh, as the uh, deputy flight commander for the mission systems flight, which was a great opportunity uh, in the comm world. Uh, from there, I was fortunate enough to get an assignment to Ramstein Air, Air Base in Germany. Uh, started off as an exec for the logistics group and then transitioned over to the 86th Comp Squadron. Uh, there, I got my first real leadership opportunity as the telecommunication systems flight commander, which was uh, the largest telephone switch in Europe for uh, military. Uh, happened to be assigned with a, a young Airman Howard. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> played soccer with him, as we've, we remember now. Uh, after Ramstein, which... Uh, which was a great assignment. I went to the uh, the national capital region and I was at the National Reconnaissance Office uh, doing primarily uh, enterprise systems management, uh, making sure that there were printers and computers and all the desks at the NRO. Uh, from there, I was fortunate enough to get a school slot and went to the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California, which was a, a wonderful experience. Got a master's degree in computer science. Uh, after that, to Offutt Air Force Base at U.S. Strategic Command, uh, where I was a uh, program manager for the MCCC, the Mobile Command and Control Center, which was part of the uh, part of our uh, nuclear command and control system. Um, and that point, uh, I transitioned out of active duty in 2007 and uh, joined the Air Force Reserve. Uh, I start off with DIA. Defense Intelligence Agency, and uh, I was there for a couple of years. Uh, and in 2013, uh, Colonel Terry called me up and asked me if I wanted to uh, take command of the 610th Information Operations Flight, which then was redesignated the 960th Network Operations Flight. I'm sorry, 960th Op Network Warfare Flight. And uh, so that was when I came into the wing for the first time. Uh, we were the SIOG back then. And uh, so I was very fortunate to be part of the initial stand-up of the SIOG. Uh, commanded the, uh, the 960th Network Warfare Flight for four and a half years. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to get promoted. Went back to US STRATCOM as a Battle Watch Commander. And uh, most recently I've been on orders supporting the, uh, the J3, the Operations Director, as their Chief of Staff. 
and uh, and now I'm back. And so uh, as a civilian, I'm uh, also employed at US STRATCOM, uh, conducting uh, requirements management for the nuclear command control system. So uh, we look at uh, the big uh, nuclear command control enterprise, uh, understand where the gaps are, work the POMs and the budget submissions, and then track the projects to uh, keep that system alive and healthy. Uh, I'm married to uh, my wife, Christy, for the last almost 25 years, and we have three kids, uh, Bryn, who's 22, Haley, who's 18, and uh, Sam, who's 17. And that's a, a quick quick synopsis of, of who I am and where I've been. Awesome, sir. No, I really appreciate it, right? Um, you know, one of the things that we always look uh, towards our leaders is kind of uh, what that experience uh, they have, um, where they've been, uh, where they're coming from. Um, and that leads me to my first question. Um, being part of uh, what was the SIOG, you know, as the Network Warfare Flight Commander, uh, to now being uh, the commander of uh, the Cyber Operations Group under a wing, um, coming in the door, what are some of the first things that you notice that are different from uh, what we were uh, to what we are today? Uh, I would just start with evolution. I mean, I heard Colonel Jones say this in a, in a, uh, a podcast, and Colonel Terry, who was the initial SIOG commander, used to say this all the time, is, we're flying the plane while we're while we're building it, right? And uh, those early days, it really was. It was. Uh, it was. Everybody was trying to figure out how do we make this thing happen. How do we uh, create this organization and uh, get it off and running and be an asset to the bigger Air Force. And as I've watched from a distance, the five years that I was with the the group, and then now that I've watched it as a distance, just seeing the steps that uh, the wing has taken, um, specifically under Colonel Jones uh, the last couple of years to uh, really develop into a wing and the functions that you see in a wing and uh, folks trying to get out there and be a force multiplier for active duty. That's the biggest thing I've seen. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I'd like to kind of tap into that one word you used is evolution, right? So um, you know, we already date ourselves a little bit, but, you know, going back to, to our Ramstein days where uh, both of us were base comm um, and then we worked some expeditionary comm as well. Um, but it was comm, right? And now today we have the moniker of cyber. I was wondering if you could kind of tell me what you thought of uh, that transition from comm to cyber, uh, what that's kind of looked like and maybe where uh, you see that heading. Yeah, um, I know for me personally, so when I was in college, I mean, I had a soft undergraduate degree and they told me I was gonna be a comm officer and I was like I don't even know what that is and uh, I got to the base and and really it was we were part of the mission support group um, we were putting the computers on desks we were building antenna fields we were keeping the LMRs running um, but it was all in support of the flying operations it was all about to get the airplanes taken off uh, help them with their scheduling um, very uh, repair oriented and uh, reactive. Whereas um, as we become cyber operations, you know, the key word there is operations. We are a weapon system. We are uh, a domain that we can execute operations on. And uh, so that's really, evolution is a great word. We used to be just, how do I help the operators do their job? And now it's, okay, I am an operator. I am a weapon system. I can affect the outcome of a situation. And that's really the evolution that I've seen over the last 25 years. 
Right. No, I fully agree, sir. Right. Uh, so we went from comm being a support function, right? Um, and, and that's really what it was. Um, when we were working at Ramstein, we worked uh, digital European backbone. We worked, uh, we worked uh, the phone switch when any uh, contingency happened out there in any of the, that AOR that we were responsible for. Everything reached back through us to get back to CONUS. And now when we look at uh, cyber operations and, and what that looks like, right, uh, that key, keyword that you hit uh, many times there was operations, operations. So the mindset uh, instantly has to change, right? So part of that evolution is um, where where do we focus and what are, where do we look? Um, we're no longer a support function, but we are that, that leading edge of the spear, in some cases the tip of the spear, right? Um, as we go through the units, uh, you'll see that we'll have uh, ops floors, we'll have weapon systems, and we'll have individuals sitting in those consoles. So we have our airmen in that AOR every day when they come to that console. So we're actually fighting as a warfighter compared to just being that support. Um, with that, kind of want to lead to um, now that you're taking the seat, um, what, what, what are some of the things that uh, you are looking for um, as we start this uh, new adventure with you at the helm? Uh, you know, going back to the evolution, you know, we need to continue to evolve. I mean, even REGAF, active duty folks are still trying to find a way to use cyber effectively. Um, and so we're going to follow that suit. Um, so it's not only find our own way to operationalize and, and uh, affect the battle space. It's how do we team up with REGAF? How do we become a force multiplier? Um, I think that's really where I'm going to really try and build relationships with the active duty cyber wings, with cyber command. Um, you know, I mentioned I work at STRATCOM as a civilian. Uh, STRATCOM was cyber command. They, you know, cyber command was under STRATCOM. And we still see those uh, conversations of how do we build cyber into our operations plans and how do we use cyber to affect the outcomes of uh, our national agendas and uh, our national interests. And so if I can, you know, start working through uh, making us effectively operational, not just operational, but, you know, plugging us into the bigger war effort, uh, that would be where I would hope to achieve some success. Sure. No, some good points, right? Um, I think that quite often um, we still have um, a lot of outsiders that look at us more of that support function versus the operations. So how do we get our foot in the door and um, really develop that relationship at STRATCOM and other the COCOMs um, and then even at the wing and unit level to make sure that uh, A, cyber is um, you know prevalent, uh, cyber is uh, key to any uh, of the O plans that we talk about. And then on top of that, how do is the reserves come fit in that place, right? So uh, looking at REGAF, it, it seems like it's it's just inherent, um, but they have their own problems. Then we add that slice that uh, we have reserve associate units. Um, is there any words of advice of how do we build those relationships at that unit level being a previous unit commander? Yeah, you know, for me, it was uh, forcing myself into a room um, and, and requiring my, my fellow commanders to have an audience with me and expressing to them, we want to be part of the fight. We want to be uh, relevant and, and be a force provider for you. And then you have to show that you're capable of doing so. So uh, you have to walk the walk and then you have to or talk the talk, then you have to walk the walk. And if you can get in those doors, um, tell them what you can provide, 
put some of your shiny stars out on their ops floors to participate with them and they see, wow, these guys actually know what they're doing. Um, they become more receptive of, okay, now how do we plug them in, in a, in a bigger capacity? And, uh, so definitely that's going to be, uh, the conversations with the squadrons going forward is what are your relationships with your active duty partners? How are you providing them, uh, manpower or resources to show how good we really are and then taking advantage of that? Yes, sir. And then going with that, that leadership philosophy, uh, what it, what are some of your philosophies as a, as a commander? A uh, couple things that I, I try to practice and I try to preach is, uh, number one is teamwork. Um, I know for myself, I'm never going to be the smartest guy in the room. Uh, so I really rely heavily on, on my peers, um, my subordinates, and, and my leadership. So uh, we got to work together. Um, there's opportunities to recognize folks as individuals, but we don't get anywhere uh, if we don't do it together. So uh, teamwork is, is very significant to me. Um, lead by example. Um, and that is not just for squadron commanders and superintendents. You know, any, everybody has a leadership role and sometimes leadership is by followership. Um, but uh, you, you need to show folks that uh, you're accountable, uh, that you're going to work hard. Um, and that you're doing the right thing, even when people aren't watching, but, uh, so lead by example, um, professionalism is very important to me. Uh, when you're in a, in an office and the door is closed, you, you can be a little looser, but especially when we are trying to show that, uh, the air force reserve is a product that active duty should consume. Uh, we need to show them that, that we're top notch. And, uh, so whether you're a civilian, uh, a TR uh, an IMA, which we don't have, or or an AGR, we should be showing that we are really good at what we do. We're professionals, and we're not just here just because uh, we're trying to get a, a couple points towards our 20-year. We're here to do an operation. We're here to push Air Force Reserve going forward. Um, and then, I guess, last thing is, is folks need to lean forward. Um, we're not going to get anywhere if we're just status quo. So, uh, keep pushing the, the envelope because that's, uh, why the wing is where it is, is folks behind us have pushed the envelope to make us a wing. And, and that needs to continue to happen. We need to continue to evolve, um, so that we can be, a an impact on the larger air force and the department of defense. Yes, sir. And I think that, uh, you know, when we talk about that evolution and we talk about that leadership philosophy as um, the reserves has evolved, um, we used to be strategic, right? So uh, back in the day, it was much more strategic. I think you had a good point there about, uh, you know, people just coming to get here for points, um, you know, and then how do we present ourselves as we become more of an operational reserve? Um, the, the importance of, of the reserve has made itself much more prevalent. Um, I didn't know if you could speak to a little bit more of your perspective on that of what it looks like um, from an operational perspective, um, knowing that uh, we have the constraints with TRs and we have the constraints with uh, the reserves and the baggage that we bring with that conversation uh, and, and make that relationship better to be a much more um, readily resourced uh, reserve. Yeah, that's a, a really delicate balance. Um, there's a place for the traditional reserve of old, um, where we're focusing on getting our training squared away, getting our IMR squared away. 
making sure that when the flag goes up, we can come in and backfill. Um, but as we've discussed before, right now there's way more requirements than there are resources. And so big Air Force and the Department of Defense really are relying us on us to be a, a, poor, a force provider. And so going forward, we have to be very honest with our folks about what our expectations are. Um, if I didn't, I didn't mention it before, expectation management is a big thing for me. Uh, I like to let people know what I expect of them um, so that they can plan accordingly. And with our new folks coming into the reserves, specifically into a cyber operations group, um, highlighting the word operations, they need to be ready to perform. And we should have those conversations honestly with them. With that, it's our responsibility as leaders to find what is that balance and how do we uh, make sure that they can serve in the reserves uh, in a manner which allows them to be flexible with their civilian employers, uh, allows them to have a family life, but also has them being operational piece of the United States Air Force. Um, so it's a really, really challenging conversation. Um, some of the older folks like you and I, they grew up on the old reserves, um, but it's more an operational piece of the Air Force now. And, and we need to be very transparent about what our expectations are. And, and then it's our us as leaderships to try and formulate the right solution so you can still serve, but you still have that flexibility of being a reservist. Right. And, uh, you know, the uniqueness that you have um, compared to some of the other staff is that uh, you're a TR leader, right? Um, so as a TR leader in a leadership role, um, a very significant leadership role, um, balancing that civilian career, that family life, and, and um, being that TR leader. Uh, are there any um, tricks of the trade that you've learned <laughs> of how to balance that out or any, um, you know, kind of uh, advice that you could give to other TRs out there that are trying to work their way to those leadership roles? So one of the one of the things I, I hit on earlier was teamwork. Um, so Lieutenant Colonel Whitehead and, and Chief Howard, full-time guys, allow me to be a TR leader. Um, I rely heavily on them, will rely heavily on them to kind of keep the boat going in the right direction. Uh, and then being able to give some vector checks here and there when I'm not in status. But the reality is as well, uh, if you're going to be a leader, you have to understand that you're always a leader, even though you're only going to be in status a short time each month. Um, but you really do. You have to you have to lean heavily on your folks who are full timers, whether you're an art or an AGR. Um, and then you have to be very direct on what you want. Um, going back to expectation management. Uh, but it is it's a it's a challenging balance. Um but if you, uh, if you care about the Air Force Reserve and you care about continuing to evolve, uh, you, you find a way to make it work, you know. Um, but it's important to, to, to have a balance, that's for sure. Right. And I know uh, when I, I'm speaking to uh, our enlisted leadership, uh, I like to peel back the onion. You know, we're not here for the pay, right? Obviously, there's, there's got to be a certain uh, love for the labor that we put into this. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, being a previous TR... I'm, I'm sure you could uh, to echo this, that um, there's going to be far more demands on you than you have time, whether it doesn't matter what status you're in. Um, but how do we find that balance and then also uh, drive that to the resiliency of your family, resiliency of yourself, 
Um, and then uh, how do I continue to still feel like I'm being effective as a TR? And what does that look like? Sometimes I get a little bit more here, a little less there. Um, but uh, do you have any um, kind of words of advice as far as uh, ways to keep that resiliency going as a TR leader? So definitely uh, good communication is going to be really important. Um, you need to let your your teammates, whether it's your supervisors or subordinates, understand some of the challenges or or things that you have going on so that they can either help carry the load for you or they can give more to you um, to help uh, move move things along. But uh, resiliency is important. Um, you gotta you gotta decompress every now and then because uh, a lot of us, if we're a TR and we're on a, a a drill weekend, you're going 14 days straight, and so you have to make sure that you're taking time. You're you're taking care of your family first and foremost because uh, if you're not watching out for your family, your career is going to be in jeopardy very quickly. Um, but then going back to what I said before, keep in touch with your teammates. Let them know. Uh, whether you need help or how you can help and and that will help their resiliency as well as keep you going on the right on the right page right and then us as a leadership always looking uh, at our airmen and making sure we're engaged with them on a regular basis and uh helping us uh, see some of those signs of, of of you know stumbling right i know that there's days that uh, my wingmen um, from the staff to leadership will ask hey how are you doing uh everything good uh you're looking a little rough today I mean, I know that uh, Sergeant Bielman's called me a couple of times. <laughs> I was like, Chief, you need to eat, right? You know, because you can get into that. So, yes, sir. Um, but uh, I, I, it is one of those uh, hard things to uh, what the demand of an operational reserve is. And then on top of that, balancing all those other pieces of, of that uh, that uh, pie that we have, right? Yeah, that's, that's the challenge. And that's uh, hopefully uh, the, the areas where We'll, we'll definitely come together and, and find the right solutions to make sure that all of our all of our wingmen have that that balance squared away. Awesome, sir. Well, I know that uh, your time is very valuable, but I uh, want to give you one more chance to kind of uh, any parting words or words of wisdom that you might have to uh, the 960th Cyber Wing uh, out there in, the, in your group. Uh, I guess simply put, I'm really excited to be back in the wing. Um, it was a great experience for me when I was uh, – at the 960th Network Warfare Flight, now the 52nd. Um, and I really look forward to getting back into this team and, and seeing the continued evolution and watching the successes of all the great members of this team. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. So I'm looking forward to being here. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, sir. And to the gladiators out there, um, thank you for all you do. Uh, thank you for your commitment to your country. Thank you to the commitment to, to the Air Force. And uh, thank you uh, to your commitment to us as uh, fellow airmen. So I hope you have a great day.